Thank you. you. may be seated this morning. We're glad that you chose uh, to worship with us today. And uh, I know our kids are in here today. Let's give uh, a kids another hand as they did a great job leading us in worship this morning. Thank you, kids. And uh, I just want to kind of piggyback on what Allison already uh, said about uh, all you who volunteered all week. And uh, we, uh, as a staff, were talking about it, how uh, impressed we are and also uh, how humbled we are that you guys come from your your eight to five jobs and you are willing to stay with our kids and invest and play. And, and, uh, and, and so I just want to say thank you, uh, that we appreciate you and all the work and I know the parents appreciate you and all your work, and so we are. Uh, we had a great week of Bible school, and I love just hanging out with, with the students. And and I I kind of like uh, where I'm at now because I uh, I get to observe a lot, and I don't have to do as much. But you guys did an awesome job, and uh, I know there's some kids out here that are maybe mostly girls that are mad at me right now because how many, you guys saw the video of me getting the pie in the face, right? And, uh, and, and so maybe after I got the pie in my face, Allison was just sitting right there holding the pie. And, and it felt like the Lord was telling me just to lift it up <laughs> and put it in her face. And uh, so I may or may not have done that and may or may not have been ordained by God. But it was a great week uh, of Bible school this week. And so I appreciate you parents allowing your kids to come. And I know we have some guests here today that that maybe came from another church or you don't have a church home and you entrusted your kids with us this week. And so I appreciate that. I appreciate you being here this morning. We're in our second week of our series, so I would encourage you to get your bulletin out. If you, if you grabbed a bulletin on the way in, maybe you are on the YouVersion Bible app, you can look that up. Our notes are on there as well. Uh, if you're familiar with that, just look on events and, and search for Hallmark. And the outline that's in the bulletin is also on that app as well for you to follow along. And, uh, you know, this, uh, Allison mentioned about, we've been praying Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 as a church this, this year. And it started out in January. We did a, a 21-day fast and just asking God to do more uh, in us and for us and through us this year. And so here a couple of weeks ago, we had the great idea of uh, at 3.20 in the afternoon uh, to, uh, to just stop. And so I, I know... Uh, in, this, in the offices here at the church at 320, I hear a lot of different phones going off and the alarms that they've set to just pause for a moment. Uh, the other day, uh, Ben was in my office and we were talking uh, about the schedule or, or something, something very important. And uh, both our phones went off at 320 and we just stopped what we were doing and prayed and asked that God would, would do more in us and for us and through us. And, and I'm excited that God is doing more. Aren't you excited about that? And so we, we just, uh, last week or so, I woke up and Tuesday morning, I thought, I, I need to, we need to check some things. We've been praying that God would do more. And so I, I asked someone that knows more than me about, uh, which was my wife, how many have we had saved this year? And how many have we had baptized this year? And let's look back on 2017 and let's compare the numbers. And, and sometimes comparing is good and sometimes it's not so good. But it was exciting that at this time last year compared to this year, we've had more than double the amount of people get saved this year than last year. Yeah, praise the Lord for that. And, uh, and, and like a 130% increase on those who are being baptized as well. And so, man, praise the Lord for what God is doing in this place. And so maybe you haven't jumped on uh, the bandwagon at 3.20 p.m., set an alarm, and join us in prayer. Join us for a minute of prayer and us asking that God would do more in us and through us 
and for us. But turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, and we, we went through the first five verses last week. Um, and you can see by our title screen on, on, the, on the screen here, these three words, hope, trust, and endure. And these three words are going to be really familiar as we walk through the book of 1 Peter. And you remember Peter is the apostle of Jesus. He's the, the, the disciple who um, denied Christ when Christ was cru- the night Christ was crucified. And yet God used him in a great way to write this letter. And he's writing this letter uh, most would say from Rome, around 62 to 64 A.D. This was at the time when Nero was the leader. And Nero was crazy. Nero did some crazy, crazy things. And, and we mentioned that last week. Um, and he persecuted Christians and did some horrific things to Christians. And, and for the sake of the kids being here, I won't mention all the details of that. But he was a bad guy. And so Peter was writing to the believers. You see in the very first two verses of 1 Peter 1 that he was writing to believers who were scattered because of the persecution. And so the letter here is, is these three words. There's, he's writing to give believers hope and, and to give them trust and, and faith and that they would endure even in persecution. And so if you have your outline this morning in the bulletin here, I'm going to just point out a few things that were here last week. These, these top really six things, the three goals of Peter and then the three goals uh, or lessons from Peter's life, I think are just going to be ways for you to, as you read, I want to encourage you to read through the book of 1 Peter every day this week. Just continue to read and, and process and learn. And as you read and process and learn this, uh, this letter from Peter to, the, to believers, read it with these three things in mind. These are kind of guide to help you understand the book of Peter. So the first here, goals of Peter, number one was to inform believers of their living hope. To inform them of living hope that not only do we have a hope of eternity, but we have the power of God in our life currently right now as believers. Eternity is not something that starts after you leave this life. Ben mentioned it there in his prayer. Eternity is something that starts the day you give your life to Christ, you're, you're, you have eternal Life And it's a living hope that Christ is in me. Can you say amen to that? Christ in me. So a living hope. The second was to exhort believers to trust God in difficulties. And trusting God in difficult times is not easy, is it? But Peter is reminding, encouraging, and informing, and, and instructing these believers that and remember, Peter is going to not shortly after, uh, not long after he writes this letter, Peter is going to be martyred for his faith. And so he practices what he preaches. To trust and to endure even in difficulties. Number three, he's challenging believers to endure through faith. To endure difficult days through faith in God. And three lessons real quickly we can learn from Peter and then we'll get in our outline this morning. These three lessons I think, I hope, will be an encouragement to you. Uh, because Peter, remember, Peter's the guy that denied Christ. And yet, even after he denied Christ, Christ restored him and then used him in a great way. And, and the reality for you, if maybe you're new in here this morning, and sometimes church, uh, I'll be completely honest, I grew up in church, and sometimes church and us church people can, can give the idea that, well, if you're not like us or, you know, you're not perfect like me because I am perfect, right, that, that you can't really, you're never going to live up. And, and that's not the story of the Bible at all. God uses broken, messed up people for his glory. 
And Peter is one of those. So real, real quick, three things. Failure in past does not nullify purpose in the future. In other words, God can still use you even if you've messed up. In the Old Testament, remember Samson, the strongest guy in the world, right? And, and, and the Bible says that he did more for God after his big sin than before his big sin. So God can still use you even if you've messed up. The second one here, a broken heart is great preparation for helping the hurting. In other words, God doesn't want to waste a hurt. And God wants to use your story for his glory. And some of you in this room have experienced hurt. And God wants to use that for you to help others. And in Colossians, it talks about comfort one another as you have been comforted by the Holy Spirit. Number three, a single note of hope is better than a thousand thoughts never expressed. Again, I want to encourage you like I did last week. If, if God puts someone on your heart, pick up the phone and call them. Get the computer out of your phone and email them. Send them a text. Somehow, maybe, uh, how many of you know you can still go to the post office and buy a stamp? And you can write a note and you put, all right, so d- encourage someone. Don't just think about them. Don't just pray for them. You need to pray for them. But go the next step and speak to them. Communicate with them. So let's continue reading. We're going to start this morning, and we're going to read the entire, well, we're going to review as far as reading. We're going to read 1 Peter 1, verses 1 through 12, all right? So follow along with me. If you don't have a Bible in front of you or your phone and you don't have the app opened up, it's going to be on the screen for us. But 1 Peter 1, we're going to read verses 1 through 12. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims in the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Again, so he's writing to scattered believers. Verse 2 says, To the chosen or elect, according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, and sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. So he's writing to those that we talked about last week. Those who've been chosen by God. Those who've answered the call of God in their life. And they are followers of Jesus Christ. Now they've been scattered. Grace to you and peace be multiplied. Verse number 3. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away reserved in heaven for you. Verse 5, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. And so we see those three things from last week, right? We see living hope. We see an inheritance that's incorruptible, that endures forever. And we see divine protection from God. So let's look Uh, In verse 6 through 12, where we're going to be the rest of the morning. Verse 6, in this, what is in this referring to? It's referring to salvation or the eternal inheritance, the living hope, uh, protection, divine protection from God. That salvation that we have been called to, and those of us in the room have given our life to Jesus Christ. He says, in this, in that salvation. So again, the context here, he's writing to believers. So because we're saved, what does verse 6 say? You greatly rejoice. Are you, are you excited that you know Jesus Christ? Are you excited that you know Jesus Christ? It's the greatest news you could ever hear. It's why it's called the good news. Because of the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that changes everything. And, and so well, that's what Peter is getting at. Because of this salvation, you can greatly rejoice. But look at the rest of the verse in the context of what he's writing. Through, 
though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. We can rejoice because we're saved even in difficult situations. Verse 7, that the genuineness of your faith being more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to the praise and honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Verse 8, whom having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving end of your faith the salvation of your souls. Verse 10, of this salvation the prophets have inquired and searched carefully, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. Verse 12, to them it was revealed that not to themselves, but to us. They were ministering the things which now have been reported to you, though those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven things which angels desire to look into. And we're going to unpack this, all right? So if you have your outline, let's, this really qualities of genuine faith or qualities of true faith. Number one, true faith is refined by trials. True faith is refined by trials. This is, this is what some would not want to teach. Some people are going to use the church to teach that if you give your life to Christ, everything in life is going to go well. You're going to have all the money in the world you ever need if you give it to me first. And, and then, you know, every, everything, if, you, if life is difficult for you, then you probably just don't have enough faith. If you believed a little more in God, then you wouldn't have any problems. That, that is a prevailing teaching in a lot of churches today. But it's not at all found in Scripture. And in fact, what Peter is saying is that you can rejoice as a believer in your salvation, understanding you are going to go through trials. You are going to have difficulties. You, you see, God doesn't promise to keep us from trials, but he promises to protect us in the trials. Remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? He didn't protect them from the furnace. He protected them in the furnace, right? And so God will be with us, but God never promises. But he also promises that there is purpose in the pain. There's purpose in pain. And one of the purposes is to test our faith. And to understand now, God is not testing our faith to see if, if he can trust us or not. You, you understand the testing of our faith is not so God can say, oh, okay, he passed the test. The testing of our faith is not for God's benefit. The testing of my faith, guess who its benefit is for? It's for me. To know God is who he says he is. God, his grace is sufficient. Remember when Paul said, God removed this thorn of my flesh, and what did, what did God say to him? No, but my grace is always sufficient. And the sufficiency of God's grace is not understood until you need it. In fact, this morning, I had a conversation this morning, and, and, I, and I told a couple, I said, I just wanted to tell them, you, you have been a blessing in my life. Because I've watched you walk through some very difficult trials. And I've seen the genuineness of your faith. And it encourages me. 
You ever had the conversation with someone that said, and I had this conversation Friday with someone here in the church, and, and this is their words they said to me, is like, I, I hope that if I was ever in that situation that I would have enough faith to handle it the way this person is handling it. You ever had that conversation with someone? And I hope that I'm good enough, Kate, I hope I'm good enough to, to when, when faith, when I'm struck with real faith, Am I really going to listen? Am I really going to continue to lean and pursue God when life is difficult? For those of you who have been through storms and difficulties and trials and you've experienced the sufficiency of God's grace, on the other side of that trial is the blessing of knowing God's grace is sufficient. And so Peter says that our faith, genuine faith, is greater of more value than gold. The word gold he's using here, and again, so he's using, using what is the most precious, most valuable item in their culture to say true, genuine faith, understanding that you have true, genuine faith is greater than all the gold in the world, greater than all the treasures in the world. Not only does he use gold as an application here to understand that it's of value, but then he also uses this mental picture here saying that, that we're tried by the fire. And, and so most of you, if you've grown up in church, you've heard, you know, you understand this, this image that he's giving, that as you want to see or test gold, the assayer would, would heat the gold up, the impurities will rise to the top, and, and what that then is called dross, he will skim the dross off the top of the gold, then he will reheat it again, all the impurities will again rise to the top, in this process he will again skim the dross or the impurities off the top of the gold, continuing, continuing the process until the gold is pure. And how does the assayer know when the gold is pure? When he looks into the gold and he sees his what? His reflection, his image. And you see the mental picture that, that Peter's trying to make here? As believers, when we go through trials and God is skimming the impurities or the sin out of us, and when we become more like Christ. When he looks at our life, what does he see? What should he see? What do we hope he sees? Himself, the image of Christ. We are the image bearers of Christ. And so Peter is using this for two reasons. The value of knowing my faith is real. Also the value of realizing that trials are going to reveal to me whether my faith is real. Number two. The faith is refined by trials. Number two, true faith is defined. And so verses 7 through 8, let's read these again, verse 7 and 8, uh, and, and see what, it, what the definition of faith is. That the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to the praise and honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And let me pause for a moment because I, I skipped over this. In Matthew chapter 25 and verse 23, remember what Jesus said? When he was talking about the faithful servant, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And what Peter is saying here is that if you go through the trials and your faith is tested and your faith is proven, that you're going to hear God say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Verse number 8, whom having not seen, you love. So he's defining verse 7 of faith. 
And this faith is even though you haven't seen Christ, you love him. Though now you don't see him, yet you believe in him. You rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. So this definition of faith, there's three blanks on your outline this morning. Though you have not seen Jesus, you love him. Faith. What does is, what is Hebrews say? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so this faith, genuine faith, is even though, I don't believe, even though I've never seen Jesus, I love him. Even though I've never seen Jesus, the second one is you believe. You believe what? We talked about this in 1 Corinthians 15 last week, the good news, the gospel. And Paul said, I preach to you the good news, the gospel. And when you believed in the good news or the gospel, you were saved by the gospel. And then in verse 3 and 4 of 1 Corinthians 15, it tells us what the gospel is. That Jesus died, he was buried, and he came back to life just like the Bible said he was going to do. And if I believe in Jesus and have faith, Wednesday night in in Bible school, our kids heard about uh, what some over the years have called or termed doubting Thomas. You guys heard of the, the story of doubting Thomas. Remember, and, and, and Jesus, he revealed himself after the resurrection. The disciples, uh, Philip, uh, excuse me, Thomas didn't, wasn't there that night, and he didn't see Jesus. And so the next day, the disciples were saying, you missed him, you missed him. Jesus is alive. And did Thomas believe? No, he didn't. Remember what Thomas, the next week he sees Jesus, and what does he have to do? He has to see the hands and the scars in Jesus' hands and the scar on his side. But what did, what did Jesus say to Thomas? You believe, Thomas, because you see the resurrection. You've seen the resurrected Christ. But blessed are those, and that's speaking of us, and some of those ten kids this week that place their faith in Jesus Christ, even though they have not seen him. And even though I've not seen the risen Christ, I believe that God has preserved his word. I believe the eyewitness accounts of the disciples, that Jesus is alive. Do you believe that Jesus is alive? And if we have faith in Christ, proof is that we're going to love, we're going to believe, and then the third one is that we're going to rejoice. And that we can rejoice in, in spite of our circumstances. That I'm going to make a choice to rejoice. Right? Kids, remember we talked about that Friday right before you left. I'm going to make a choice to rejoice. You talked about that Friday in your Bible study time. And as believers, what Peter is saying here, listen, life on earth sometimes is very difficult and life sometimes doesn't go how we planned it. And and some of you, trust me, I've I've observed and I've watched and and, and God is testing and and, and I want to say thank you to those who've been remained faithful in the trials and you can still rejoice. It's again, we talked about last week, when difficult times come and we realize life is not always what we want it, but, but we understand as a follower of Jesus Christ that God has chosen me and he has given me eternal life. And because I have eternal life, the things here on earth, what would the old songs say? They grow strangely, you guys are good, strangely dim when we focus on what we have in Christ. We can make a choice to rejoice. Number three, let's move quickly this morning. Number three, the true faith is focused on the cross. My faith is in Jesus. And because of the cross and because of the empty tomb, I can have eternal life. 
And what, what Peter does is he, let's look at verse 10, 11, and 12 again. Verse 10 says, Of this salvation the prophets have inquired and searched carefully who prophesied of the grace that would come to you. You see what Peter is saying? He's like, the salvation, the cross, Jesus, this is not just something that has just happened in the last 20 or 30 years of our lifetime as Peter writes this letter. Peter is saying, listen, the cross and Jesus, this is, is what, what all the Old Testament prophets were telling about. This is what the Old Testaments were prophesying about. If you look in Psalms 22 and Isaiah, and you're going to see all these texts that point to the cross and point to Jesus. And Peter is saying, those prophets prophesied not understanding, not knowing fully what now you have seen happen. You have seen the resurrected Christ. So he goes on to say in verse 11, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was with them was indicating. In other words, the Holy Spirit was revealing to them the Old Testament scriptures pointing to the cross. And their faith was looking forward to the cross of Jesus Christ. But, but it goes on. He was indicating when he testified beforehand the suffering of Christ. Again, talking about the cross and the glories that would follow. The resurrection, verse 12. To them it was revealed that not to themselves, but to us. They were ministering or they were writing the things which now have been reported to you through us who have preached the gospel to you by the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. The cross of Jesus changes everything, doesn't it? The death and the burial and the resurrection of Christ, that's where my faith is. My faith is not in this church building. My faith, as we've mentioned before, is not in America. My faith is in who? Jesus. And if you've placed your faith in any other person or any other thing in order to get you to heaven, you've misplaced your faith. Jesus clearly said in John 14, verse 6, I am the way. Not a way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through who? Except through Jesus. And if this morning you've not placed your faith in Jesus, I want to challenge you to do it. The problems of this world, the issues we face, don't compare to God's grace. Ephesians says, for by grace you are saved. So what saves us? Grace. God's grace. How do we get God's grace in our life? For by grace you are saved through what? Faith. Grace of God is what saves me. How do I get the grace of God in my life? Place my faith in Jesus. Have you done that? It's interesting when you watch people's life. I hate to ad admit it, but um, I've been in ministry for over 20 years. I think 27 years, something like that. Man, it's scaring just to talk about it. And over the years, I've seen a lot of people have strong faith. And I've wanted to be like those people. And over the years, unfortunately, I've seen a lot of people who, who had weak faith and didn't have genuine faith. And when you experience and you watch someone who has genuine faith, 
It gives you a new perspective, doesn't it? Uh, last Sunday, uh, Pastor Dave and I, we went to the hospital after church, and we were visiting uh, Nancy Lee, and, and Nancy had gotten some really bad, bad news, and, and her cancer had come back. They were going to place her in hospice, and so we went to the hospital to visit her last Sunday afternoon. And, um, and I got permission from Nancy to tell this story, but I, we, we were sitting there talking, and, and, and as a pastor for a long time, going into the hospital room, knowing that someone has faith, it sure makes it a whole lot easier to have conversations. A whole lot easier. And so as we were talking as normal conversations uh, about the end of life and, and, and where's your faith and who do you have you placed your faith in, and Nancy's recounting her story of when she gave her life in 2014 to Christ and got baptized here at Hallmark Baptist Church, and, and God completely changed her life. And, and so she can face death with, with joy. She can face death with understanding that I'm about to meet my Savior. And of course, there's the normal emotions that are going on in the room at that time. But Dave and I asked her to recount her story. Talked about Psalms 23. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear nothing, no evil. Why? Because you're with me. And Paul said, to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord as a believer. And we cried a little bit, and we prayed a little bit, and, and just talked to God, and we left the room. Nancy got moved to hospice, to hospice this week, and um, according to the, the text I got from her this morning, uh, she said, I'm going to be at church today. I, didn't, I wasn't even expecting to be alive today, and I'm going to be at church today. That's awesome. Praise the Lord for that. Yeah, give, give the Lord a hand. And so... I got a, a, a phone call Thursday, and uh, Jeannie was calling me, and, and uh, so I answered the phone, and, and I could tell I was on speakerphone, which is always dangerous, Jeannie, and uh, she said, got some good news to tell you. Nancy's sister-in-law, babe, just gave her life to Jesus. Yeah, that was awesome. Praise the Lord. And I was thinking about our conversation uh, last Sunday as Dave and I were asking Nancy to recount her story and, and, and guess who was sitting on the windowsill listening to Nancy tell how much she loved Jesus? Her sister-in-law, babe. Jerry and I were talking. So Friday, uh, we had, I, I texted Jerry back, uh, Jeannie back and I said, hey, we, she should get baptized Sunday. It would be awesome. She's visiting from New York. I know she go back. Well, no, she's flying back Saturday. It's like, well, let's get her baptized Friday. We, we can meet up at the church and, and we can get this done, right? It, it reminded me uh, in Acts when, when Philip uh, led the Ethiopian to Christ and the Ethiopian sees a body of water. So what permits, uh, permits me from, from getting baptized? What's, what stopped me from getting baptized? And what did he say? Do you believe? I believe. Well, let's get baptized. And so she came up here Friday, and I don't know, about 15 people from the faith class came up here, and, and uh, we got her baptized. Yeah, praise the Lord. But, but here's, here's what Peter was trying to say. 
So Jerry and I are the ones, I already told you our conversation, I didn't tell you it was. Jerry was the one saying, I hope that I can have faith like that. That when I'm faced with what Nancy's faced with, that my faith is genuine. And you know what Nancy has experienced that I haven't experienced? The sufficiency of God's grace in one of your deepest moments of life. And what Peter is saying is that treasure of genuine faith is far greater than anything this world has to offer. It's greater than gold. Before I conclude the message, let's watch Babe's baptism, okay? Hello, my name is Babe Roth. Jeannie came up. Just something struck me, and she asked me about it, and I said, yeah, let's do it. She asked me if I wanted to be saved, and uh, she led us in prayer. And before you know it, I was saved. <laughs> My name is Babe Roth. I decided to follow Jesus. Awesome. Well, as I already mentioned, we are here. This is Babe, and she is from Schenectady, New York, famous for uh, Don Wenger's hometown, I guess. And uh, she was here visiting, gave her life to Christ, and so we talked about getting baptized. And she is publicly and Facebook Live announcing that she is a follower of Jesus. Babe, you know Christ is your personal Savior? Yes. I'm baptizing my sister in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, buried in the likeness of his death, raised in the likeness of his resurrection. Three questions on your bulletin. The greatest thing you could know when you walk out of this room this morning is that your faith is real. That you have genuine faith. That you truly know Jesus Christ. When you face trials, do you press into God? When life is difficult, do you have a tendency to walk away from church and from God and from God's people or a tendency to throw yourself at the hands of God and say, God, I need help? The second question, do you love, trust, and enjoy God? If you have a hard time praising and worshiping the Lord now, maybe your faith isn't so genuine. Because what I experienced this week in the hospital room was a person who knew that they belonged to Jesus. Number three, is your faith in what you do or what Jesus has done? For by grace, you're saved through faith. Not of, what I'm, not of my good deeds, but it's a gift of God through Jesus Christ. And I'm, I'm so thankful for that. But this morning, if you're wrestling, is my faith genuine? Is my faith real? There's nothing you could do better today than to make sure. Maybe this morning you walked in this room and you've walked in this room multiple times and you know that your faith is not real, that your faith is not genuine. Don't leave the room this morning without knowing for sure that you've given your life to Jesus Christ. Peter is saying, listen, if you know that, that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, then nothing on the earth matters. 
all the problems and all the issues that you walked in here with this morning, if you know that you belong to Jesus Christ, that doesn't mean there's not going to be tough days. That doesn't mean there's going to be days where you doubt. That doesn't mean there's not going to be days when you're angry at God. And hey, guess what? It's okay to get angry at God. He's big enough to handle you. Okay? He's big enough for that. But it does mean is that you know without a shadow of a doubt that my life, my Lord, my Savior is Jesus Christ. Are you confident of that? What if the Sunday, this afternoon, today, Pastor Dave and I were visiting you in the hospital? Would you be as confident as Nancy was last Sunday? If you're not as confident as she is, maybe you need to give your life to Christ today. And maybe this morning this is all kind of new to you. And let me just really quickly explain to you what these 10 young kids understood. That the Bible is very clear that we've all sinned. And because of our sin, we're separated from a holy, righteous God. The Bible says that our sin separates us from Him and that our punishment, my punishment for my sin, what I deserve because I am a sinner, is death. Eternal separation from God, my Creator. But God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him can have eternal life. The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This morning, if you're not confident that you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, it's very simple. Admit you're a sinner. Believe the gospel. Believe that Jesus died on the cross, was buried, and he came back to life. Confess your sins. Lord, I need Jesus. You can do it right where you're at this morning. Right now. I'm going to ask everybody to close your eyes for a moment this morning. And this morning, if God has spoken to you and God has said, you know, you, you're, you're not confident in your faith. You're not confident you've really given your life to Jesus Christ. Then I'm going to encourage you with everything I know how to right now to make sure that you're confident that you've given your life to Jesus Christ. And maybe this morning you're going to say, John, that's me. I'm not confident, but I want to be confident. If that's you this morning, would you just put your hands up for this morning? I want to pray for you. Just put your hand up right now. Put your hand up. Leave it up for a moment. Just put your hand up. Thank you. Anyone else? Just put your hand up. Thank you. Anyone else this morning? Here's what I want you to do today, right where you're at, is I want you to talk to God. Here's what you need to do. You need to admit, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. Lord, I know my sins separate me from a holy, righteous God. Lord, I repent of my sins. And I am placing my faith in Jesus. I surrender my life to Jesus. I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. And this morning, if you talk to God about that and and you voiced that to the Lord this morning, we want to rejoice with you. 
If that's you this morning and, and you would be bold enough to admit that, would you, would you just raise your hand this morning right where you're at? Just put, put your hand up. I, I talked to the Lord and I, I just gave him my life. I, I placed my faith in Jesus Christ. Just put your hand up this morning. The next step, the next thing I want you to do this morning, in a minute we're going to stand up. We're going to sing a song of worship today. There's going to be people right here in the front, and they're going to be facing you. They would love to pray with you, to help you have confidence that you have genuine faith. And when we stand, come forward, shake their hand, say, I want to know Jesus. They would be glad to open their Bible and show you. This morning, maybe God's just speaking to you about your own faith. Maybe your faith has been wavering. Maybe your eyes have been on other things besides God. And, and today, God is just saying, you, you need to lean into me. Again, we're going to stand in a moment. If you'd like for one of us to pray with you, we would love to pray with you. If you'd like to come forward and just pray and have alone time with God, you're welcome to do that. God, we thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you this morning for the testimony of Nancy and, and her faith that drew her sister-in-law to you and to faith in you. Lord, I pray that my life would be an example of genuine faith that would draw people into relationship with you. Lord, bless this last few minutes of worship this morning. Would you stand with me this morning and let's sing together. Let's just worship together again. The altar is open if you'd like to come forward and pray. We would love to pray with you. If you want to pray alone, you're welcome to do so as we worship today.